Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. You are listening to and watching for the second time ever the What If Podcast. Make some noise for yourselves tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. My name is Ryan Copperud. Hi, Ryan. To my left is the lovely and beautiful and talented Spencer Ward Davis. Hi, Spencer. Spencer Hyde himself. We're joined by two amazing and disgustingly talented friends and guests today on my right. I have the beautiful Chance York. Hello, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. More yes. Needs more yes. But that was a good amount of yes. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and one over for me, the also lovely and talented. No, no, no. Maybe, 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 maybe. No, 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 no. That's not his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, maybe, maybe, maybe would be really hard to sign on a check. But that's Eric Mason. Everybody make some noise for our beautiful guest tonight. Uh, we're glad to be here. We're back for the second ever live What If podcast. Uh, they didn't cancel us after the first one. That's got to be like an okay sign, I guess. Thanks, Nomad. Thanks, Nomad. We like you guys. Um so we weren't just playing uh, other people's comedy before our podcast for fun. I mean, kind of for yeah, fun. Yeah, we were. Uh, but we do love getting sued. <laughs> nah, the, the, the cool part is you will be the only ones who hear that. Uh, the, the recorded version, we just won't even talk about. Nobody tell Hannibal that we like his comedy. No, yeah, he doesn't want to know. Uh, but, but it is related to what we're talking about tonight. Uh, for those of you who don't, oh, actually, really quick, let's do this. Uh, how many people, this is your first time hearing the podcast? Make a little noise for yourselves hearing the podcast for the first time. That's yeah. a handful. That's a handful. Uh, make some noise if you have heard the podcast before. All right, all right. Noise, 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 noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. We love y'all. Each episode, we ask a hypothetical question and try to laugh our way to an answer. Uh, and today's question is, what if the TSA isn't the answer? Oh, yeah, we got Luigi. Luigi's back. We got Luigi back. <laughs> um, we're probably going to offend some people today. No one likes the TSA. Well, that's true. Uh, we're going to tell a lot of bad and good stories about the TSA. And um, things are going to get a little bit. Uh... You got good stories about the TSA? Well, sorry, I won't. I, won't I mean, let my sometimes bias come through they just yet. sort of stop some things from getting onto airplanes. Do but they? what we'll learn today is they don't stop as many things as you might wish they did. Uh, so this isn't to monger fear as much as it is to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, unpack some, some things, unpack some Damn things, it. Let's unpack, that. Let's unpack that. Um, what's the TSA all about? What do they do? Why do we, why do they exist? Well, do they accomplish stuff? Because nine 11. Um, so let's do a, can we do a little history quick? I mean, does everybody know like where the TSA came from? I guess for me, like, okay, so I'm, I just turned 30. And I wasn't really Happy doing... Happy birthday. Aww. Um, I don't really... I don't, I'm not like... I'm not old enough to really like fervently remember a time where the TSA was not part of like my flying experience. I wasn't doing a lot of flying really? when I was... You were like, in high school in 2001. Really? Yeah, I was like a freshman. Yeah, so I'd flown like... fly all the time. Okay, dude. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Spencer... I, you never flew anywhere Jet set traveler Spencer over here is like, dog, I remember all about flying without the TSA, man. I was a third grader just jet setting to Bora Bora and shit. Yeah. He said, yeah. <laughs> True. Um, so, the, so the TSA was, in fact, formed in 2001. And in 2001, uh, we, we had a pretty bad thing happen in that September. And uh, 
Less than two months after 9-11 happened, we had an administration called the Transportation Security Administration. That happened quick. Um, but it was it was sort of reactionary in the way that the Iraq war was reactionary. And so was the Patriot Act. And you could talk about those things amongst your friends, but those Jesus. are all things that were responses to 9-11. And uh, and we got a uh, we got an administration out of it to watch over how we fly. And before that, the the people who were responsible for airport security it was the the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. It was, and it was basically like a bus stop. It was you, you, like a bus. Kind of went through like a metal detector, and that was kind of it. There and, are metal detectors at bus stops. Well, it was like a fancy bus stop. An inner city that high school. Sound fancy at all? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. Chances got ran over, he said, or like in any inner city high school, which true, is true, which is also true. Um, so, so the TSA was created as part of the Aviation and Transportation Security Act, which uh, went through the Congress and Senate and got signed by George W. Bush. All right, there was a small boo. I didn't know. I don't know. I don't know what the reaction was going to be. Uh, Sorry, I, November, just really I got cool you. I got down. you. Whoa. Thank you. We needed Riley to, to weigh in. Um, interestingly, or I thought it was interestingly, y'all can be the judges of this, um, in the period of February of 2002. So basically as soon as it's established, they hire uh, a director and a bunch of deputies, they get all the bureaucracy taken care of, and then they go on a hiring spree because they got to hire all of the screeners, which we'll talk about later. Um, and over the course of February of 2002 to December of 2002, so roughly nine months, 10 months, uh, 1.2 million people applied for 55,000 jobs uh, with the TSA, which is a lot of people for not a lot of jobs. Uh, but there was a huge push for people who wanted these jobs. There were a, a bunch, of, bunch of jobs opened up. Uh, there was no bunch hiring. Of high school graduates needed employment. Yeah, right. Uh, there, was not a, there was not a similar hiring or sort of like bringing on to a paid payroll within the government uh, like this since the first world war was the last time when they brought on uh, all of the folks who went ahead and fought that world war. Um, plans so for aggressive expansion. Plans for aggressive expansion. <laughs> indeed. Um, so yeah, yeah. to this day, the TSA employs about 55,000 people in the United States. They have an annual budget of about $7.5 billion. That's as of so 2015. much money. With a B? With a 7.5 B. 7.5 billion. billion with a B. That's and like... More, that's not true, but that's like a good chunk of what we spend educating children. That is also factual, although I don't have the comparative number for that. It's like 7.5 stealth bombers. That's like well, 7.5 stealth bombers. That is also a correct comparison, my true. friend. When, when you supplement it, though, by just like taking the money that people leave, like their change that they leave in the little bin when you go through the thing. <laughs> that's a myth, man. No, it's not. No, it's not. They, they, they for real keep that money. So every year on average, you and I and everyone else who flies in an airplane on the course of a year leaves about $500,000 a year at TSA stops across the country and they just take your money and they work it back into their budget. That's a real story. They don't try to get it back to you. Are you serious? They just yeah, yeah. They confiscate that money and they work How it back much? into their budget. Half a million. $500,000 oh a year. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's kind of a that, lot, right? How many passengers actually pass through? Would that be like a penny a person? or like? What? I don't know exactly what that works out question. to per passenger. So between, so you also pay a, a fee every time you buy an airplane ticket? It's you, like... Which is new to me. I mean, you pay you pay airport fees, but I didn't know that you pay a fee to the TSA. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's it's a couple bucks. Yeah, uh, for and the, that's not included in their budget. 
No. Right. So they get seven point two billion plus a service fee from every Correct. passenger. Right. Which, which, which amounted which amounted to fifteen billion dollars. So it's double their budget. Yeah. But that was over the course since two thousand and one, right? Two thousand one uh, to two thousand and ten. It was yeah, it was like the first eight years that they existed. So but, in ten years, the tax that you pay on buying every plane ticket that you buy, which is like the two two bucks, three bucks, yeah, has amounted to about fifteen billion additional dollars that the TSA takes in. Obama said the fee can't be more than ten. That was a, a more recent Thanks, piece. Obama. Well, you know. So has anyone here had uh, like a bummer of an experience with the TSA? Raise your hand if you've had a bummer experience with the TSA. Wow. Goddamn. Wow. Is it possible okay, to have like a, a riotous, <laughs> like joyous experience? I had a okay. tribulations, a TSA screening. No, no, no. I mean, I like, went all year. <laughs> the only reason I travel. I mean, I'm hoping that like we're gonna pat you with the back of our hand and you're the groin. back of our hand, yes. all right? It's the back of our hand. Like all told, there's like a hundred people in this room. I was hoping that like a bunch of people would be like, "Yeah, it's not good or bad. It's just like part of life." And at least half of this room was like, "No, no, no, that sucks. I, I had a shitty experience." I had a kind of funny one, at least. You okay? So I want to hear this story because I heard this story a long time ago, and I think I need to hear. Well, it's this a two-part story, story. Eric Mason and I were going to New York together, but at separate times. Do you want to tell you the first half of sure. the way out there story and I'll tell the way so back? So I, I don't recall why I had lost or my ID was either destroyed or lost. It was probably lost because of I lose things. But um, <laughs> uh, so we were at the gate or we were at the, the checkpoint and yeah. I had yellow papers and no photo ID. You're going to New York. To New York. From Minneapolis. From yes. Minneapolis. Okay, great. And uh, you're apparently required to have a photo ID to fly. <laughs> um, but I thought, hey, maybe I can just like sweet talk my way. <laughs> so, so I tried and um, th- it, it made a guy really mad. The guy gave me like a lecture. He was like, now I got to waste my time with this shit. I'm like, dude, isn't this like your job? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not wasting your time. This is the time that you've been allotted to perform this task. <laughs> to but, deal um, with dumbasses like myself right. without photo I'm IDs. I'm sorry, but this is what you're paid to do. Um, <laughs> I like that as the dude who didn't bring an ID to the airport. I'm you were like, this the is dude your shit. fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You Don't deal with this. me. Let me on the plane. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I didn't have a, fo- a valid photo ID. I had my old photo ID, but he didn't, he didn't buy that. Um, and he said, no, we need a current ID that has your photo on it. It's not good enough to have this this paper. So I told him... And this is like some, maybe some hubris, but I said, "Hey, man, just Google Eric Mason and click click on the images tab, and uh, you'll see a bunch of pictures of me." And he's like, "Nah, dude," blah, blah, blah. but he did it, and the whole first page of images was my face, and he let me on the plane. And the funny thing was, the same thing worked on the way back. <laughs> So you did it twice. Any potential uh, hijackers, just get your photo spammed on uh, <laughs> Google Images, and apparently that works. Just, just create a dot com. Dot com. Yeah. yeah, right. Create a dot com. Be like, that's who I am. Look it up. See, hey, it's my website. Me, man, I'm cool to fly. <laughs> Eric Mason looks like EricMason.com, and that is apparently enough to get on an airplane in the United States. So okay, well if that doesn't scare you. Right, right. <laughs> Actually, it might from, be <laughs> from from the crowd was so that's better than our state IDs, which <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to argue with that. On that same trip on the way back, I uh, I was flying by myself and I went to the airport in New York 
And my flight got canceled because there was bad weather here. So they weren't letting any flights leave going to Minneapolis. And they couldn't get me on a flight until the next morning. So I had like 18 hours or something to kill in New York. And my flight was going to leave at 6 a.m. the next day. And I didn't have a place to stay that night. Sounds drunk. Yeah. And it turns out that bars in New York are open until 4 a.m., which was exactly the time I needed to leave Brooklyn to head back to the airport. So I met up with some people and we went out to bars until about 4 a.m. And then I hopped on a train back out to the airport. And by the time I got to the airport, I was basically blackout drunk going through security, which it turns out they don't appreciate. I don't think it's Why? Not a lot of terrorists are blackout drunk. I can't do anything. I'm going to get on this plane and instantly fall asleep. I'm going to be no trouble for anyone. Give me the keys. I'm going to fly this bitch. (laughs) This thing has keys, right? Give them them to me. We're going to make a pit stop in the ground. (laughs) So everything's kind of going all right. I get most of my stuff into the little bin. I probably donated some change that day. And <laughs> I made some change. And you got you know, you gotta take your belt off and stuff. And so I'm going through the I take my belt and my shoes off and I'm going through the, the body scanner thing. That's ever since the belt bomber of two thousand two, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the well, I guess the shoe thing was a real thing, but another person stopped that guy. The TSA didn't even stop that guy. Same with the underwear bomber. Yeah, right. So we're we're more effective than the TSA. Anyway, I take my belt and my shoes off and I'm going through the body scanner thing and you gotta put your hands up over your head. My hands are only going to like here. <laughs> and the guy's like, no, you got to, you got to push your hand like it's up here. High. <laughs> it's too high. It seemed like a lot of work. And I was having this problem where every time I put my hands up here, my pants would start going that way. <laughs> and I didn't have a belt. And the guy's like, hey man, you got to pull your pants up. I was like, you just told me to put my hands above my head. Now you're telling me to pull my pants up. I don't know what to do. And he's like, no, you got to pull your pants up. I was like, then you're going to have to help me because I, I can't. And uh, he would not help me pull my pants up. Because we're the Travel Security Administration, not the trousers and slacks, the sisters. <laughs> you fuck. Yeah, I think that's you what he said. Yeah. These yeah, badges don't it. mean I have to hold your pants up, you idiot. That was right on time. That was right on time. Uh, Chance, what's your favorite? You went through TSA and they made you have a better or worse day story. Do you have one? Uh, nah, maybe just immigration. Every time I, I come like through from a different country and so I just wind up in like the special spot, the part where like everybody looks Muslim. The you have dreads. Oh, sure. The you have dreads line. Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just uh, go right that way. Yeah. And I look around, I'm like, man, do you, this shit is not random. Chance. <laughs> <laughs> what you're trying to say is maybe you get randomly checked by security more than I do. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay, I figured that might be the case. Just, just, just might be the case. My, I, I have two. I have two that made me lose a lot of faith. Well, actually, one I guess helped me gain a little faith, but then I relost it. Uh, in about two thousand and two, I had gone. Uh, well, there was a period of time where I biked a lot, and I didn't live in a very good neighborhood, in Minneapolis, and so I just I carried a knife in my backpack. It was a switchblade, and I had it in like a secret compartment in the back of my backpack. What was your um, plan if you got attacked and you had a knife in your backpack? Wasn't a good one. It was, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it. Hold on, hold on. Please, no, please stop give mugging me. Give me a second. Give me please a second. stop mugging me. I got to get something out of my bag really quick. No, it, it, it just like somehow made me feel better, even though that was like obviously a very stupid idea. Like the TSA. <laughs> it's so relevant. Jesus. A sense of security is just as valuable. 
So this thing is in a in a in a pocket in my backpack, and I'm going to fly. I don't even know where I was going. I think I was going to to Los Angeles because I used to live in LA. And and I'm going through. Uh, you know, I didn't even check a bag. I just had a backpack. I think I was home for the weekend or something. And I and I had used this backpack while I was in town. I, I don't even remember what it was. But long story short, uh, security's like, I think we we're finding something in your backpack. And I was like, I I don't know what you're talking about. Like I don't have. I have I have like I have like fucking some poetry books and like a fucking some a pair of beats headphones like i don't, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about Knock and they're like we got to run your bag through again and i was like all right fine run it through as many times as you want i don't have anything in my bag and i was starting to get irritated at this point because i was like this fucking sucks like this is stupid i'm irritated and like after the fourth time they ran my bag through this this tsa agent who was rightfully pretty fucking mad at me at this point for being kind of a fucking shithead to her she like pulls the knife out of my back zipper and she like throws it on top of my bag and she's like oh is that what you didn't want to tell us about and i was like Oh, I, I forgot that was the thing that was in my backpack. And here's the crazy part, though. She looked at me and she goes, do you want to mail that to yourself or would you like us to throw it away for you? And I was like, you can throw it away. I got to go get my plane. Bye. And I, and I left and I was like, why was I not arrested at that moment? Like, I Because it's, the TSA can't arrest anybody. Okay, well, there's cops everywhere and they could have been like, you should arrest right. this, dude. The TSA can really expensively call the cops. I'm just saying in a hidden pocket in my backpack four times, I told a TSA officer, I don't know what you're talking about. Please let me through your security line. And she found like a, like a three and a half inch switchblade in my bag. And that just, they were like, just go get well, on your plane. They, okay? they want to they disarm terrorists, but they don't want to miss them. They have them miss their flights. <laughs> right. That's so nice. You know, also, every collect like, give call. Me the, they give make- me the box cutter, but I want you to get to San Francisco or wherever you're going. Every collect call costs them $12 million. That's why their budget's so high. There's every that. time they call the cops, it's $12 it's million. What? I'm making shit up now. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. A, a lie, lie was born. A lie was born, <laughs> indeed. A lie gets born on this sometimes. The other one that, that also, I guess, made me lose faith again after being like, well, they found my shit, but they didn't arrest me. So uh, recently, I came back from a trip to Mexico with my girlfriend who's in the building right now. And we are going through our security line. And we had bought in the, um, what, the duty-free shop. We, in the duty-free shop, we had bought a Why bottle of... Why did you point of, at me? Because I told you, you the story earlier. I, right, right, right. I was trying to remember the name of it, and you helped me with it earlier. Mason is our resident <laughs> you're duty always, You're always buying booze at the last minute. <laughs> we, got, we got an eight-ounce bottle of, of vanilla, like Mexican vanilla, to bring back to cook with, and so did my parents, because my parents are bakers. We're in two separate security lines on our layover back from Mexico. And this TSA officer who I maybe had a small altercation with because he was not being very nice and had a little bit of a fucking attitude, was like, we have to confiscate your fucking vanilla and throw it in a trash can. And I was like, fine, eat a dick. I'm going to go get on my plane. I didn't really say that, but I was very upset with him. You have fun baking this afternoon, sir. Yeah, yeah. You're probably going to pull it out and bake some fucking brownies later, you asshole. So my parents, two security lines down, went through with the exact same bottle of vanilla, got it x-rayed by a TSA agent. They were like, carry on, have a good day. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. But their vanilla is fine, but my vanilla is a bomb? Like, what is the fucking, what's the reasoning here? Like, it just blew my mind that, that literally 30 feet away, two different officers could be very fucking different about the way that they approach, like, the things people are trying to bring to you. Vanilla privilege. Lines. Vanilla privilege, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> well, but yeah, that does deserve applause. Um, so... I think like to everyone who raised their hand, shit, we could put a mic out in the audience. People could be like, yeah. And then this other time, because it seems like everybody has a version of this. Well, shitty anybody story. got like a re- anybody got one that's way better than any of the four that we just told? Because I'm willing to give that a shot. Yeah. Does any does anybody want to tell a story about the TSA that really bummed their day out? Anyone got one that they want to come up here and tell? Well, fine. Oh, then. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah come yeah, on yeah, up. Yeah. 
Come on up. Come on up. Um, here, you can take my chair. Thank you. Make some noise for coming up. Just hand that microphone over. Here, you can take my chair. You can sit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. your name, real quick? Emma. This is Emma. Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi, Emma. Everybody, make noise for Emma coming up to tell a story, real yeah, quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Emma. Uh, why did you have a bad day as it relates to the TSA? Go ahead, take a seat. Show me what you got. Okay, um, I was on the plane, or I was in TSA going through with my Christmas presents because I was living in Chicago at the time and I don't check bags because why for a short flight. So I had all the Christmas presents like perfectly wrapped that I spent a lot of time and they opened all of them no. to try to figure out what was in them. So then I had to repack everything. Wait, what, so, where were you flying from? Chicago, to Minneapolis. So you were getting on a 40 minute flight domestically. Yep. How many presents <laughs> are we talking about? I think like five. They unwrapped all of your presents? Yeah, and it, it was like pottery and really nice, So much stuff. fun for them. <laughs> That's the best thing in the world, unwrapping presents. presents. Do you think they were just mad that they had to work on Christmas, so they're like, I'm getting my presents <laughs> one way or another? I don't know. I don't know. It was a pain in the ass trying to get all that back together and back in my bag because boxes don't fit wait, very wait, well. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so they have x-ray machines. But they had to unwrap your presents? Why? It's yeah. so much did, more fun that way. Wait, did I, they apologize? Um, no. And I, I was like running to the plane. Another time, also, do not bring Brita filters on a plane. <laughs> because those look like bombs or something. Oh. <laughs> In the x-ray, yeah. Why were you traveling with Brita filters? <laughs> that is actually kind of a good question. I'm like, they have good water. <laughs> Can't My trust every fossil. Yeah, I don't trust this plane water. Participating, but this that plane is a water good is nothing but trouble. <laughs> this bomb water. The bomb water, right? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Thank you, Tony. You want to just come up here, bro? <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I have one more. I have one more question. When they unwrapped all your presents, was there any chance that you were going to give your family members guns for Christmas? <laughs> yeah. I got no, because then they would have just let them. Wait, were they? Were they, were they like gingerly? Like a like like a? Did they take the tape off, or did they just rip at it like a four year old? Well, first they like shook them. Like, no, they didn't. Ah, yeah. So, oh, that's got a lot of pieces. Oh, that sounds like some C4. Oh, we got a bad girl over here. Naughty or nice. Yeah. Good that's Lord. That's horrible. Thank you for Check sharing that presence. story with us. Check, Check your presence and don't bring Brita filters. <laughs> Knowledge brought to you by Emma. Everybody make some noise for her for coming up real quick. Thank you, Emma. Thank you so much. All right. Those stories were all like... So it gets worse, apparently. Those were all like kind of bad, but nothing like really horrible happened. Yeah. I have a feeling like that they actually really fuck things up sometimes. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, aside from like just fucking things up going through security, there was one dude individually who stole $800,000 worth of stuff from people via their luggage while working at the TSA. Wow. Oh. That's they, a real thing. And they fired, what is it? It's like 500 or something employees for, for stealing. Millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff gets stolen every year out of your baggage. To the point that people have like come up with luggage that is not easily stolen from, just so that your it's shit doesn't get stolen when you go through security. To be clear, the, these aren't well-vetted people. 
They're I high mean, school graduates. They, well, right. <laughs> they, what, what better setting do you need These people then? don't really have security qualifications. A diploma no. or equivalent. Right. I mean, the, I looked up how to become a, a TSA agent before we came here. The, the minimum qualification is that you have a GED. You, you don't right. have to have any law enforcement or security qualifications. You, you pretty much have to have graduated from high school and you can get this job. And you get a badge and a uniform, which in a lot of places means something. But yeah. it means zero of anything. It doesn't mean anything in the TSA. They can't make arrests. They can't use force. But we all still go along with it. Right. I do have the list of requirements really quickly, just so you know who's touching your private parts next time you go through an airport. Some it's the back of the hand, bro. Uh, it's no, the back of the no, hand. I got front of the hand ball touching in LA last time. Whoa. That was, that was I not did. normal. Whoa. That doesn't sound He said, I'm going like, to touch you with you the like front it? of my hand, No, bro. he didn't say this anything first. He just, he just I get- just want to warn you, I'm going to make you come. <laughs> I just want to let you know this is going to be pleasurable. <laughs> I got no warning. He just went right, right in there. It was That's, quick, but I mean, he- You came quick? <laughs> oh boy hey ryan um, you were saying bomb water. yeah so anyway um the key requirements are you got to be a u.s citizen okay uh you have to be 18 okay uh you have to pass a drug screening and a medical evaluation okay Once. you have to pass a background investigation including a credit and criminal check okay the fuck do you need to pass a credit check for you because they think you're going to steal, which is exactly what the fuck they do. <laughs> um, you have to pass a background investigation, including a credit criminal check. Oh, I just said that. Uh, you can't default on $7,500 or more in delinquent debt, but you're okay if you go bankrupt, apparently is what it says. Some bankruptcies. And uh, that's about it. And their starting salary is $25,000 <laughs> per year. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Not sure what that reaction meant. It's ridiculous. Ridiculously what? low? For, for somebody with no qualifications, that's ridiculously high. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah. It also seems ridiculous. Somebody buy Mason a drink. 25 grand is still also, I'm broke. If, yeah, I'm broke, so that might seem a lot higher than it really is. <laughs> it's like, that's still pretty much poverty, bro. It, yeah, it also I'm seems... I'm way below that line. <laughs> I would rather have the people who are, like, responsible for the safety of millions of people flying every single week to not be like... We want to pay you less than minimum wage. Like, we want to keep you in poverty as you're trying to keep us all safe. That I would rather them, like, bump that up a little bit and be like, let's attract people who maybe could, you know, want it more. I don't know. Yeah, but you got to hire 60,000 of them. Which they and did. In the course of 10 months, which is amazing. Like, I feel like you can't require, you can't hire any position in the course of 10 months and, and make people be good at that. It right? is the largest bureaucracy in, in Washington, the, home, the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. Which basically combined 17 other agencies after 9-11. It's true. It's kind of like the concept of just a lot. It's like the, the gang, you know? They all got the same uniform on. Right. It's the security. It's like event security at a, like at a sporting event. Most of them can't do shit to you, but there's enough of them that provides the idea of, I'm it's, safe. It's, if something jumped yeah. off, that dude in yellow over there. Is running. Yeah, <laughs> it's, but the other one might not. You which know? Is like a, it's, it's a concept that's called the security dice. theater. Right. It's yeah. not. It's not security. It's the illusion of security. What do other like? What do other modes of transportation do? The TSA. No, like I, if I get on the bus, nobody does shit, and no one blows up buses. Well, did you ever see Speed? <laughs> Woo. Great point. People do blow Great buses. Point. Maybe <laughs> only in Hollywood, but people do blow well, buses. Well, I think I think the idea is we 
in other modes of transportation, we we as a citizenry are capable of dealing with the fact that shit happens sometimes and that y- you must be resilient. So if you see somebody trying to do you harm, you say take, something, you do something, you take them oh. out, you, you, you become resilient and Is you, and you do something about it. You know, right. why can't but we I do that with airplanes? Because I think honestly, and I'm not saying that we should have the TSA. I'm saying, I think the horror of airplane disaster is so much more horrifying than the horror of a bus crash or a car crash. I would agree with that. That sometimes there's space, there's rational space for irrational fear. Wow. Right? It's like it's like That's a plane. Well I mean, even if it's not even if it's not a terrorist attack, even if it's just a crash, the horror of that crash is so much more extreme than the horror of a bus crash that yeah. we need a lie to be told to us. To tell us that we're safe, even if it's not possible. Isn't it like the oxygen mask like dropping down? Right. Is it supposed to pacify you? Or the fact that they say like, hey, you got to have your seat in the full upright (laughs) one inch past the other (laughs) position because every time they investigate a crash, all the survivors are the people that had their chair one inch you know what I mean? It was like, Further oh, well, others. that guy didn't have his tray table up. That's why he got decapitated. You know, <laughs> obviously, it's a safety precaution. It's just to make you feel better. I guess the question is... I've never worn a seatbelt on an airplane. What? Really? Yeah. Ooh, what the hell is a seatbelt going to do? Rebel! Just in case they slam Turbulence. on the brakes. <laughs> yeah. Slam traffic. on the brakes in the sky? All your peanuts go flying. All your peanuts go flying. But I think that's the question is it, it the the lie makes us feel better but does the it, it, if you feel safer is that actually better for you? Um is the question I have. Well, let's um let's actually talk about that. So Spencer, do you want to run down a couple uh more horror stories while I get something that we can show on here? So Emma's horror uh, story was horrible and ours weren't that horrible but they were fucking annoying. I, I would love to talk about how wildly ineffective the TSA is. Okay. You know. We can definitely do that. Um, um, what about the MSP uh, missed 95% of contraband that was sent through? It was in the Huffington Post right. 2015. They missed 95% of the bomb material that went through. So, 95% of bomb water is allowed through security. Which is, which is interesting because the FAA, the, the, the administration that used to run security, before 9-11, which, by the way, they didn't run security. Each individual airline was responsible for, secu- for security, and the FAA would just supervise it. Which some, you can still do, by the way. Their main objective was to get people on the plane as fast as possible. Yes. But they would occasionally oversee security. But their um, failure rate for, for detecting weapons and bombs was 90%. And the TSA's is 95%. And... and the the company that used to Jesus. yeah the the company that used to test their security was called the Red Team, which is made up of people who ex seals, ex military, ex law enforcement and intelligence agencies officers were hired by the government to test the TSA's security standards. Right, right. And they would set they would oh my god it's really funny that they would like clown the the TSA officers. They would pack in a pound of C four in a suitcase. Put a dress shirt that on top of hilarious. it. That sounds hilarious. Put well, it gets funny. <laughs> put put a dress shirt on top of it, and then put a water bottle on top of that, and and the security agencies would would be like, oh, oh we gotta open this bag for a second. And they'd say, thank God, they finally caught something. They'd open the bag, they'd take the water bottle out, and then they'd send them on the plane with a pound of C four. 
which by the way you don't need to blow up a plane you need like a couple ounces of the shit yeah, it's really powerful it's plastic but they so they, they they started doing all these tests the red team which is what they were called that they would test all these expensive equipment millions of dollars worth of machinery that was purchased by the TSA to, to, to deter people sending bombs on the plane. So they would do all these tests, and the TSA would always fail. And the TSA's response to it was just get rid of the tests. So in 2004, they just stopped doing that. Bro, so they just don't sense. test the security systems anymore. I would have I aced all my classes in high school. 95% gets you yeah. an A. Uh, right. you, know, you know, teacher, I'm not getting very good grades right now, but you know a really good way for me to get better grades? Just stop testing me. How about that? <laughs> right. If you don't just test me, I'll have fucking really good grades. Um, so I'm going to play like a little bit of devil's advocate right now. Just a little bit. Not because I believe it, but just. But because it's entertaining. Because it's entertaining. And we all agree and that's boring on, on the screens in this room. And for those of y'all who will be listening to the podcast uh, whenever this comes out after we've recorded this, uh, you can go to Instagram.com slash TSA. Oh, yes. This shit is awesome. Because uh, this is a real <laughs> thing that exists, which is that the Transportation Security Administration likes to post pictures of shit that they confiscate while people are trying to get on airplanes. Because they think now, it's funny. Because they think it's funny. Now, Which, by the way, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I was going to say, okay. y'all act like the TSA Not for the reasons they too, think man. it is, though. We will let you guys be the judge of that. Now, one thing that I want you to notice, and maybe some of you already have from what you see on the screen right now, the TSA's most recent picture is... A bomb-shaped object, a grenade-shaped object, over which they have laid a sticker that says, vote for us, Webby nominee. So if you don't know, Webbies are fucking like digital media awards that some fucking digital media agency gives out online. And apparently the TSA thinks it's both appropriate and comical to put a sticker on a fucking grenade to support the work that they're doing and then post it on their on their on their Instagram account. Don't also my likes by almost 4000 people. So some people are like, "Fuck yeah, let's get the TSA that Webby award they deserve." Don't tell my lawyer we kill people, man. I ain't mad, man. Uh <laughs> yeah, you got it. You were I didn't label my buttons shit like that. So really quickly, I haven't curated this, but let's just dive quickly into Oh, here's a good one. Oh, here's another Webby award self promo. Uh a six-sided switchblade knife that they've they've posted that they confiscated uh, because clearly terrorists love killing people with novelty weapons. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I got this replica of the Zelda sword. They never see that's from Blade. That's from the first Daywalker with Blade as Wesley Snipes. I don't know if you guys can read this caption, but if you can, it says. The TSA Instagram account has been nominated for two Webby Awards. We've been nominated in the weird and humor categories. Because that's what I want the TSA to be, weird and humorous. Yeah, right. Consider the the Internet's highest honor. The Webby Awards are presented by the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences. There are two awards for each nomination, and they go through. That's where you come in. You can vote for us by clicking on the link in our profile. This is your last line of defense. (laughs) And they're campaigning for a nonsensical, doesn't matter fucking internet award for the t- Instagram account shit that they post. Okay, here's some other fucking wild shit they posted. Read um, the one with the with the cave age knife on the laptop. <laughs> read the, read okay. the fucking comments or the, the description of it. What? Come on. Okay. Uh, no, una bu- unga bunga. <laughs> Ooksmork na grilk. The TSA wrote that. This literally says, ask TSA, can I take my Stone Age flint knife and my carry-on? And the response is, 
No unga boonga urg smork nag grike. Talk about tone deaf. Jesus Christ. Please pack in checked bag. Holy shit. Why do they all look like memes? Because they, they are. <laughs> oh my God. Someone actually tweeted this at them. Hey, I was wondering if I could take this banana with me on a plane and someone shoved a banana inside a fucking gun. I'm going to jail. TSA says, we know you're kidding, but if you're being serious, that's just bananas, man. <laughs> Dude, rappers would love this shit. <laughs> we got two on stage. I don't love it. Well, I'm kind of uh, well, one, one for two, I guess. <laughs> okay, but so here's... Dude, I'm not going to lie. Oh, wait. I, here, go back to the main page. Yeah. I think all these Webby nomination things, I think this might be Photoshop because I was here a few days ago and those were not there. Those weren't, those weren't Photoshop. Those were MS painted. Is yeah, that, right. Is that... <laughs> Is that more or less offensive that they take things they actually confiscate and be like, vote for us, that, no, that, Way more. That octopus knife is not a real thing, is it? No, it's a real thing, bro. That's six, baby. It's a real thing. <laughs> also, Chance that, is right. That's that, only six knives. That hectopus knife isn't a real thing, is it? <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, oh, oh, good. Oh, good. We've got a Batman throwing star that's also a vote for us Webby nominee promotion. Another terrorism weapon Cute. of choice. Cute. That looks Cute. authentic. How actually. many tiny yeah. bottles of booze can I bring on an airplane? Uh, well, this bag shows actually six, and they do let you do that. Uh, also, the most liked thing so far, which maybe everyone's like, yeah, we have to fucking bring booze to survive going through the fucking... Because you might get stuck in the sky forever. Well, I mean... Um, <laughs> okay, so lastly, and... And one of their least like photos, which I'd like to cover, is a plethora of pistols were discovered this week. These are just a few of the 81 firearms discovered in carry-on bags last week at airports around the nation. Jesus People just don't even Christ. care. They just show up with their pistols. That's like, not something you forget it's about the TSA, in your man. Pocket. They don't do shit. Bro, listen to this stat they give you. 74 were loaded and 26 had a round chambered. Like, this is how close you were to death. And we let 753 through. I was going to oh. say, do the percent. Yeah, oh, wait. Right? Also you cute. did do the math. That was good. Also cute. This tied our current record of 81 firearms with 70 loaded. Did they win an award for that? <laughs> a Webby. Probably fucking not, because if that's how many they're catching, guess how many they're not catching. Yeah, with 753, we, we went over that this. have say that 90 to 95%, at, at best case, like 20 out of 23 or, or 80% are getting through. That means that, like... I'm really bad at math, but like literally almost a thousand guns got through TSA's security in a week. You are bad at math. Well, it's, it's ballpark. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, bro. Yeah. From one rapper to another, we're ballparking I, math I up here mad. because I, I think that's mad. acceptable. Um, Can we? All right. Yeah. Speaking that's to the humorous ridiculous. side. All right. Speaking to the humorous side of the TSA, my my really close homie and my cousin. Uh, Works oh, for the oh, TSA. Oh, nope, nope. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna go ahead and bleep. Uh, what's? <laughs> we're gonna. Uh, y'all didn't cousin, hear that. My cousin Malik. Okay, Malik go. works for the TSA. Sounds good, Malik. Carry Yo, on. So, uh, and he's totally he, not your cousin. He's so, just a guy named Malik. Yeah, this guy that I heard named Malik. Yeah, I'm not saying a China. lot of people listen to this podcast, but like kind of a good amount of people. Listen They're to all in Sweden. They he's don't know gonna about be the TSA listening show. to it. And let me totally tell you, we're gonna win a Webby. Yo, cousin, I did not know this was gonna be bashing TSA so hard. They 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 duped me. But Sorry, Malik. So Malik told me, uh, he was like, I first started is like my first week and the procedure is, you know, one person looks at the screen with the with the uh, carry-ons and another person goes to open the bag. 
So the dude was like, yeah, you got to go. Uh, that bag is flagged. Uh, you need to go check out like the lower right hand corner of that bag. It's like there's some sausages or something in there. Sausages. Pardon? Okay. And cool. long story cool. short, that could be great for our Instagram. It was a bag of dicks. <laughs> could go a long way. It was a way. bag of what? dicks. And, wait, 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 and wait. It was wait, a, like wait. this is. I'm totally serious. So he's like, it's How a bag of dicks. Talking? Like four or five. He said. And do you mean dildos or dicks? Yeah, like plastic dicks. Oh, like okay. dildo. Okay, yeah, cool, whatever. Cool, cool. I don't know. I was I'm real not, like, nervous for a second from there. Plastic so he he pulls it out and they said, "Welcome to the TSA." Like that was like an initiation thing that I guess happens often, and every everybody has a, oh, a bag of dick stories. Wow! And that is, I was like, that that's actually pretty funny, man. That's <laughs> like a that's a pretty like dry job. If you imagine, you go clocking, you got eight hours of like just people that are unhappy with you. And you're like looking around and it's just like a cattle herd. It's like the most depressing place you could possibly be, maybe. That's, yeah. Until you, you got a bag of dicks? Yeah, they just, uh, welcome to the TSA, baby. Dicks forever, for everyone. <laughs> dicks for, forever. For a government agency, I feel like that would go against like 99 out of 100 HR statutes that they would might have. Well, did no, you know TSA has less they, statutes? They, they, they confiscated about 17.2 million bags of dicks, the TSA does. My other airport, <laughs> oh, they didn't take it. Airport's Shut up, Hannibal. Carry on. Um, so anyway, I love you, Malik. Uh, love you, Malik. <laughs> Thank you for letting us tell your, your bag of dick story on the podcast. I got more. Um, Later. The, the, the last thing I wanted to show real quick, can you guys see this? There's literally a guy who tried to fly through an airport in El Paso who is a bomb-diffusing specialist who decided to bring his faux bomb-diffusing gear in his carry-on bag. It looks like a suicide bomber vest. And they pulled that out of his bag, and he was like, no, no, it doesn't work. It's just, like, for work. How white was that guy? I, I'm, you, must be extra, you must be extra white to think that you aren't going to get shot in the face when and you bring didn't. that through. That's what I'm saying, and he did not. Yeah, Nothing happened. He got on saying. his airplane. They can cause significant delays because explosive detection professionals must resolve an alarm to determine the level of threat. We have to call the cops when you bring these on. When you bring when you bring a suicide vest on an airplane, turns out I cannot out, believe that shit is on Instagram. Dude. Yeah, and then they put it on Instagram because like fucking we're trying to win some digital media awards. Did they even take it from him though? Or like no, carry on. <laughs> also, so, that dude, if he's a professional, he had to know you can't fly with that shit. He had to know that. It says he had a claymore mine too. The hell is that? That's what's down here in the bottom in the bottom right. It's a claymore. This guy sounds dumb. That's ridiculous. That's a motion activated like fucking Vietnam bomb, bro. It's a directional bomb. explosion. So, so I feel like I feel like kind of what you were talking about or what we've been talking about is related to sort of like the idea that we're giving a lot of like power and authority to people who are and like no offense, Malik, making bags of dick jokes and 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 missing a lot of things and yet these people like you said like they're getting a badge and they're getting a uniform and they're getting right. to tell us what to do and that dude in well, Dallas and whatever his name is being a fucking asshole to me and like they are providing a service it's just not the service that they're advertising it's just a fictional service it's a fiction I mean, well no it's a real service the other the, the the security part is fictional yeah, right. That's what I meant. The the I mean, it doesn't. We've established it doesn't make us safer. Um, all of like the shoe bomber, the underwear, but all the people that all the terrorist thwar uh, plots that have been thwarted, yes, have been By because passengers. of increased air marshals, yes, um, in reinforced cockpit doors, yes, uh, and heightened passenger awareness. Resilience sure. of American citizens is what has stopped actual attacks. Not so TSA. Sky marshals, something 
separate then. So, well, Sky for the federal Sky Marshal administration is a whole different can of worms. They have yep. they have ridiculous like grooming standards and dress code um, codes that that you have to meet in order to to be on the flight, which is ridiculous. Like the 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 Sky Marshals actually call it, it the no kill leggings? me first policy because <laughs> you can't blend that. in. But no the, leggings the, the service <laughs> that I do think that they are providing, which I personally think is a is a bad service, is that it makes us feel safer. Right. Even if we're not safer, it it provides us with the illusion that we are. And and that is something that I think so can I tell a, a, just a quick historical anecdote? Bro, Absolutely. please. Yeah. Are you, so, guys, are you guys okay with some more history? Are you guys still with so, us? Only so, if Eric Mason tells it. Make th- some noise if you're still with us one time. All right. All right. So, so we got some history from Eric Mason. The, the, the tail end of World War II. Yes. Winston Churchill has his entire State Department. The entire British State Department is operating out of Washington, D.C. Because there's a very realistic possibility that London and by extension England would have been bombed into submission. They didn't know how the war was going to turn out, right? So everyone in London is having, everyone in England is having a morale problem. So Winston Churchill starts this now famous meme, which is called Be Calm, Carry On. It's a really popular, you might have seen t-shirts or posters of it. It's a Wait, big, is that really where that comes from? That's Winston really where Churchill? that comes from. Winston Churchill wow. came up with this concept called Be Calm, Carry On. And wow. remember, London was it's, being... Yeah, it's, it's Lon- keep, it keep wasn't calm. Chive? Keep Calm, Carry On. Yeah. It wasn't Chive. And, and, and <laughs> London... Yeah, yeah. London was being bombed weekly. I mean, these people had a real morale problem they didn't know if their country was going to exist <laughs> you just call years. weekly bombing a morale problem right? <laughs> uh, it's true i mean they had an infrastructure problem but they also had a morale problem they also had a bomb problem but you so know. so the churchill administration was trying to come up with an idea how to keep morale up okay. so they, they came up with this propaganda slogan keep calm carry on so they made hundreds of thousands of these posters they were about to to plaster london with them and then Churchill had this revelation. You know what? What we need is not calm. What we need is not for people to be level-headed and, and, and this idea that we're, we're safe and that things are going to be okay. What we need is a resilient citizenry. So they canned it. They threw all of the posters in the trash, and a bookstore owner found these posters and got rich off of it. He started selling them and putting them all over. Anyway, that's why they're famous. But... Winston Churchill's new slogan was speak softly and carry a big stick because he thought the more important thing was for people to be resilient. And this is important because the TSA teach it, uh, it, it, it tells, it teaches us that we're safe. It tells us we're safe. It gives us the impression that safety is something that exists, but that's not the way the world works. Shit happens. And if, and if you have a group of people, if you have an entire country that is under the impression, Fortress America, never again, this shit can't happen, you're actually less safe because you're not aware. You're not, you're not constantly looking. I mean, shit does happen. This is why when Hurricane Katrina hit, we weren't prepared to deal with it. We had pumped all this money into, into thinking that shit could never happen to us again, right. that we, weren't, we didn't have emergency response protocol. We, we weren't prepared to deal with when, when the randomness of reality smacks you in the face. Right. This is something that we need to be prepared to deal with. But people say all the time, I'm okay with giving up a little bit of convenience. I'm okay with being molested at the airport and waiting for two hours it's the back because of my it's hand, keeping bro. us safe. Even if, you, even if you get rid of the fact, if you ignore the fact that it's not actually keeping us safe. 
there is no such thing as safe. You can get to safer. I mean, the passengers on the planes do a lot of good as far as as safer goes. The air marshals do a lot of good as as far as safer goes. The CIA and the FBI certainly do a lot of good as far as safer goes. But a huge, bloated, corrupt administration does nothing except for um, give... Uh, fledgling technology companies chances to to sell their x-ray machines and and uh, people to you know oversight committees to ignore terrorist warnings like have been happening on, on Pan Am and Northwest Airlines and and 9/11 even you know the time and time and time again but uh but it doesn't actually keep us safer and even if it did the the idea that we would be so comfortable that we could convince ourselves that this isn't going to happen again actually makes us less safe because you have this 60,000 employees, 55,000 employees in TSA. Yes. That's too many people. That's <laughs> way too many people to be effective. If you're surrounded by coworkers, you get this impression that we have this impenetrable force that can never be, that makes you relax. And then that makes you less safe. If you have a high tech industry with a really small number of employees that's how you are affected. I don't know. I'm 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 ranting here. You're I'm good. Off, you're like good, it, man. You're like not it. you're not saying the wrong thing. But I think it, I think it speaks to this question of like, do we prefer the lie? Do we, you know, are are we are we more comfortable in a world where, even though we know we're not safe, people lie to us and tell us that we are. That helps us relax, and that and that that's better than coming to grips with the reality of the world, which is. The world is inextricably complicated and shit sometimes happens. And you have to be able to deal with that. It's about response. That's the Katrina thing. We didn't know how to respond to that shit because we had spent so much money on terrorism that when a hurricane hit and people were fucking drowning, we didn't know how to respond to it because we had convinced ourselves we were in- invincible. That's totally. not, it's not a good mindset. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. And I think so... You are you are not off base and you're not on a rant. I think you're saying some really good stuff. And I think to complement that, I think Spencer has a really good story that we wanted to talk about tonight that I think is t- 100% on board with the things that you've talked about, the theater and all of those things. And I think let's throw to that quick yeah, and the, we'll keep that conversation the, going. The craziest part about what you were saying is like how easily we submit to all of that. Right. That we would much rather just have this perception that someone else is in charge and someone else is taking care of it, regardless of what that means for us as individuals, right. than actually deal with the real things that are happening and uh, assess them for what they actually are. So, yeah, but to- it, instead of TSA being the actual problem, it's the ideals that the TSA was born from, which was we can provide this false sense of security. Right. Because that's American. what people want. You know, People right. really want to feel safe, even though... Even if they know it's a lie, that's the important part, Mm -hmm. is that we might know it's a lie, but we prefer the lie to the reality. You guys, we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but you guys know about the Stanford prison experiment? Where there's like some are guards and some are prisoners and how quickly shit goes south. Yeah, so in the 70s, this was in 71, at Stanford, they did uh, this professor, psychology professor, Philip Zimbardo, did an experiment or set up an experiment in the basement of the psych building at Stanford where they, they turned it into a prison, a makeshift mock prison. I can't believe this story is real. It's, it's a wild one. Um, 
and they they I can't believe it. The basement of Stanford is so small. <laughs> no, no, no. I can't no. believe they really did that. I can't believe they have basements I'm in California. I'm just mentally like, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. Real prisons are spacious. Jesus. Uh they turned the the basement of the psych building into a mock prison with cells and a prison yard which was just like a big hallway and they recruited put out an ad in the student paper and in the Palo Alto newspaper that they needed people for a psych experiment and they were going to pay them $15 a day, which in 71 was decent money um, for like this $17 a day <laughs> for the psych experiment. And they got a hundred people that responded to the ad and out of those hundred people, they picked 24 and it was mostly, it was all young men um, between the ages of like 18 and 24 or so. So like college age men, and they split them up just totally at random. They flipped a coin to put half of them as prison guards and half of them as prisoners. And they put them in this prison. Prisoners were there 24 hours a day. The guards rotated through eight-hour shifts. Just to clarify really quickly, no one had qualifications to be either, right? Like no one had done anything wrong. These and were, no one had any qualification to be a guard of anything. They were just literally like random volunteers. These were 18 to 24-year-old people who responded to a newspaper ad. And the, the only screening they did was for uh, they, they, almost they, as they screened for prior prior arrests, and they did like a kind of a makeshift mental health screening. It was like almost as low of qualifications to be an TSA agent, basically. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, except some of them were college educated. All right. Keep going. And they uh, they took these guys, and the prisoners. First of all, they asked all the guys whether they wanted to be prisoners or prison guards. A hundred percent of them said they would prefer to be prisoners. And they took, so they had to split them just arbitrarily. A hundred percent of them? Every said single person said they would prefer to be a Why prisoner. Why do you think that is? I, I don't people, know, but. People would, would rather not be in a position of authority? Maybe if you're volunteering for an experiment, you're like, that sounds like less responsibility. Sure. <laughs> Except that they had to be there 24 hours. The guards worked eight hour shifts. Or so it was three times to... as much work and they all volunteered for it. Maybe they're like, they'll feed me. I'll get a bed. <laughs> Yeah, that's fascinating. That's weird. Yeah. Part of it. And they they started the experiment by actually going to these guys, these kids, basically their houses, and arresting them. They got Palo Alto active police officers to go and arrest these kids, handcuff them, put them in the back of a cop car, bring them to the police station, and then they blindfolded them and brought them to the the psych building at Stanford. So traumatizing. Your brain does not know that that's fake. And they did not communicate to these kids' families what was happening. So these kids were, they came to their house and their parents even thought that they were just getting arrested. What? Yeah. And they were charging them with things like armed robbery and aggravated assault. And they were all like very serious crimes. So they take these guys to their makeshift prison. Not my Joseph. And (laughs) yeah, just you have a microphone, sir. Whatever. I'll make Chase's joke for him. He, he did a mom gold. voice that said, not my Joseph. That was, yeah, that was great. It was way funnier off the mic. It was way funnier off the Timing is everything. All right, um, keep it going. According to Dr. Zimbardo, he said, quote, our research will attempt to differentiate between what people bring into a prison situation and what the situation brings out in people. So he had a hypothesis that prisoners or people that are in positions of power, they are in those positions not because of who they actually are, but because of their environment and their situation. So the first day, they go to these, the kids' houses and they arrest them and they bring them all to jail. 
They bring it or into their or makeshift prison. They bring him downstairs. They strip all the dudes naked, and they put them into prison gowns. Or they 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 de-louse, they de-louse the guys, strip them naked, put them all into gowns with a number stitched across it, and they would, did not refer to them by their name for the rest of the experiment. And they were then uh, put into three cells. So there were three or four dudes in each cell. They only they were to only refer to each other by their numbers, and they were to only refer to the guards as Mr. Correctional Officer. So no one used their names for the entire time. All the guards were dressed in like a police uniform with uh, mirrored sunglasses because uh, Zimbardo also had this theory that uh, anonymity brings out negative behavior in people. That. And it's a lot of like what we see with the internet now. If I'm not responsible for myself, if I'm just an anonymous random person, I will do way more negative shit than I would if my name is on it. And so he tried to, to visually convey that with the way that they appeared and through stripping people's names um, and giving them numbers or titles instead. And immediately the prison, the prison guards start being verbally and physically abusive to the prisoners. The only instruction that they were given was that they cannot physically assault the prisoners, but they were allowed to do anything else. And they also gave all of them uh, like nightsticks that they were not allowed to use. I was say that's a counterintuitive instruction. Don't right. hit anybody, but, but here's a hitting but instrument. Again, it, Just hold know, it. His his goal initially was to make it realistic and to get the the realistic dynamics of like intimidation and perceived authority and power. Even though like you might have been in a class with this guy two weeks ago and you volunteered for this scenario, right? Um, by the end of the first night some of the prisoners were already asking to quit and some of them were reporting uh, time distortion. Like by the end of the first day, some of them did not know what time it or day it was because they had been in this underground prison with no lights. They were waking them up multiple times throughout the middle of the night and doing like borderline torturous things to these kids. Yeah, it's like real torture. Without any instruction though. These guys who had been assigned to be prison guards within 24 hours were straight up torturing their classmates. Yuck. And yeah, long story short. They had to end the shit early. Long story That's- short, the entire the entire experiment was ended after 6 days and it was scheduled the last 2 weeks. And because there was so much harm being done to both parties, not just to the prisoners, but to both parties. And on this, within 48 hours, one of the kids, one of the prisoners had a legit psychotic episode. Like he broke from reality and was convinced that he was legitimately in prison and was, had committed the crimes he had been accused of and that he had to break out if he wanted to leave. He tried, he tried to stage an escape within the first 48 hours. And they were all referring to themselves by their, their numbers rather than their, their names. And yeah, the whole thing ended after six days. And the only reason that happened is because when one of the kids left, they brought in uh, like a replacement prisoner who hadn't been there the whole time, obviously, and hadn't acclimated to all the crazy shit that was going on. And he came in on day four and looked around at what was happening. 
what the fuck what is the this fuck? shit? Right. No, well, that was the only. That was, I did not oh. sign up for this. That's right. Six days. That was on day four. He came in. Four days. Yeah. Jesus. On day four, this kid comes in, looks around like, what in the fuck is going on? This is not at all what I signed up for. And he he kind of snapped a lot of them out of it because he was the only one that didn't buy into. We are actually prisoners. You are actual prison guards. He referred to it as an experiment. He referred to himself by his name. He referred to the other people by their name. And it eventually started breaking down the, the program. But it still went for two more days. And the only, th- the only reason it finally ended was they were, they were giving these kids parole hearings. They were, having, they were giving them... To, vi- to relieve you of your volunteering job? Yes. Yes. Jesus Christ. And every, a bunch of the kids, they asked them, would you forego your payment if you can leave now? If we paroled you now, would you forego any payment? Not like future payment, but what we've already paid you. They all said yes, but none of them left. None of them walked away from the situation. They all said yes. If you could let me leave right now, I'd give you all the money back and I would leave. And none of them left. Isn't it true too though that like there wasn't actually anything completely physically holding them there? Like could they have walked out if they wanted to? They could have gone up to Zimbardo at any time and said, I want to leave, and he would have let them leave. Okay. None of them did. So they were just in it. None of them did. Right. And, the, and, is- and eventually at one of the parole hearings, they brought in a, a grad student to sit in on one of the parole hearings, and she happened to also be Zimbardo's girlfriend. And she eventually was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. You have gone crazy because he was buying into being the superintendent of this prison. The he was calling it my prison. He was fully invested. So it, it affected him. It as became well. very real for him to the point that she hadn't seen him since it started. She showed up and she's like, you are out of your mind. I don't feel comfortable around you. Like I'm leaving you if you don't stop this experiment because you've lost it. And they called the experiment after six days and sent all the kids home. You know, the first time wow. I ever heard about this was in a, rea- uh, a reaction to the Abu Ghraib shit coming out. It's like these yeah. people, the prison guards that are accused of all this atrocious shit, were like normal people with normal day jobs. They're like reservists or something. Yeah. And they're just like doing crazy, torturous stuff. And actually, Zimbardo was, uh, he was a witness for one of the guards at Abu Ghraib right. in, those, in those trials in whatever that was, 07 or 08 or something. As a defense for that guy being like, yo, when people are put in these situations, this is what they do with that? Yeah, so he testified on be- as, an, as an expert witness on behalf of one of those guards saying, it is not this individual's fault. It is the system's the fault that, you that created, that put this person in this situation. He is responsible for his own actions, but he is not solely responsible. He was put in an impossible situation. Wow. And should be held only partially liable for what he did. Wow. That's fucking crazy. I don't think your brain knows the difference between pretend and, and no, real. No, clearly it does I not. Mean, I mean, I'm speaking, and I know we're going to try to tie this back into authority in the TSA, but just briefly, Good, go ahead. I, I, I was an actor for a long time and was, was cast in a few pieces where I had physical power or emotional power or political power over another group of people or individuals. And I had to really sort of depressurize after every show where I held power over people because it does something to your brain. I played Jim Jones, who was the, the leader of the Whoa. cult where everybody drank the Kool-Aid. So You're the perfect dude for it. <laughs> thank you. It's great little light of mine. A-plus a casting. So 76 shows of playing Jim Jones. And it's just way too many 76? shows. 76 shows. Holy Jesus. shit. Too many. And Jesus, indeed. Which well, one and that wasn't it? even the worst one. The worst one was where it was a it was a duo. Uh, it was just me and my friend Kelsey, 
and we played a couple who I, I was physically abusive to her in this play. And there was a scene where I stood above her and strangled her. And obviously it was, it was um, choreographed. I mean, it was not, there was no one was in any danger. Right. But something, I mean, there's something in your adrenaline levels or your, 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 your frontal. I mean, your brain doesn't know the, the, it doesn't have the vocabulary to say, Hey, this is all pretend. So don't let this get to you. How did I'm, you react to that? Like, I I started shaking. I mean, I had I had like adrenaline, and it's same with the Jim Jones thing. It was like seeing a group of people worship you, or or standing above a friend of yours and and strangling them. I mean, it's not. It doesn't feel like play. It doesn't feel like art. It feels like um. It feels horrible. And, and when you walk off the stage, when, you, when the show is over. Your brain doesn't just like revert back to like, well, now I'm fun loving Eric Mason. It's like we just did some fucked up shit, and we're gonna carry that with us forever. You know, it's like there's there is no differenti- differentiation between play time and real time. It's all happened to your body, and your body processes it. It's like a dream. You get you can be traumatized in the same way from a dream. You know, it you react in the way that that you would react if it was real. For sure, I know we didn't. We didn't task Malik with giving us any stories about that type of. Here's another story from thing. Malik. Okay, okay, all right. All right I, so. I didn't know if Malik had a, had any maybe story thoughts. Time but but I, I do two. think it's I do think it's important to not pass on the, on this experiment without tying it into the illusion of authority. Well, and I, I, oh, I guess I, that's yes. what I was trying to. That's the only reason I brought that up is obviously it's a more extreme example, but it, it has been evident for a long time that people will submit to authority in almost any setting, even if it's totally arbitrary. Right. I mean, there, there was an experiment. Uh, what was her name? There was a, uh, I can't remember her name, but there was a teacher in the, in the sixties who arbitrarily told her, her class one day that students with blue eyes, and this is, Oh really, yeah. She's the really race teacher. Up experiment. Yeah, yeah right? dude, this experiment. Amazing. Amazing. If, if anybody knows her name, yelled out. I can't remember right now. Um, she told the ki- that the, the kids with blue eyes were superior to the kids with brown eyes. And, Noel, hold on. Jane Elliott, thank you. Jane Elliott. Um, she told the, that her class that the students with blue eyes were superior to the, the students with brown eyes. And there was an instant power play in that the students with blue eyes started talking down to the students with brown eyes and being abusive towards them. And in addition to that, they actually started performing, the students with blue eyes started performing better in school, and the students with brown eyes started performing worse in school, in in a statistically significant amount. Halfway through, she told her class, oops, I made a mistake. It's actually the other way around. Students with brown eyes are superior to students with blue eyes, thinking maybe the students with brown eyes having been subjected to all this De- dehumanizing op- oppressive shit from the other students would, would be realize, more empathetic. Yeah, would be empathetic and play, you know, having understood what it's like to be in that position. And they took on the exact same role. They became dominating towards the other students. They performed better in class. The other students took a submissive role, performed worse. Like this is across the board. We submit to authority whether it's legitimate or not. And that, that goes for the people with the position of authority, too. Like right. you said yes. in the exactly. experiment, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's almost just as damaging for the, the gulag guards as it is for the prisoner. Absolutely. And to that point, that you reminds me. You can hear it in their voices when you, try to, when you go through security, too. Yeah. People, and, it sounds like you're in the fucking, it sounds like you're in boot camp. People are like, 
Take out your laptops. Take out your belt and shoes. Make sure you... Maybe you can hear it in their voices. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was too good. Basically, you said you were an actor? No. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, you know what that reminds me of, honestly, though? Like, when you say it's bad enough or it's as bad as, it reminds me of, and I'm going to botch this right now, too, uh, live on stage, but what was the... There was an experiment where uh, people were asked to ask recipients of like a quiz questions in another room and when they got the answers wrong they would uh they would buzz them with electricity oh yeah and it would get increasingly more intense after each it was like 300 volts 320 volts 340 volts and they had like a thing on their on their meter this was all fake there wasn't a person in the other room well there was a person in the other room but, but it was it, an actor who was, was yelling it was an actor not being shocked and yelling in accordance with right. whatever shock you were delivering and, and they were doing this experiment to figure out if someone is Mercy. under instruction. Yeah, if someone is in under instruction to do a thing, at what point do they or don't they become merciful in their domain over another human being? So you've done something wrong. I'm here to punish you for getting a wrong answer. And this has been done like in, it was done in like the 60s. It's been done multiple times since. But when you say like it's as damaging to the people that are doing it, there's this like there's this weird uh, there's this amazing YouTube All video. All of us are capable of this, by the way. Right. There's yeah. this amazing YouTube video where these there's these people who are who are looking at the person who's making the experiment happening happen in a white lab coat and they're going, Hey, like he sounds like he's really in pain right now, and I don't really feel comfortable moving forward with it, this experiment. And and the runner says, please continue with the experiment. And people who have expressed a level of discomfort with the amount of pain or authority or superiority that they're inflicting on this unknown person in another room continue onward with every, this experience. Every one of I them mean, I think, I, think to, I mean, they break off at certain points, but some people go all the way to what is marked as lethal levels of electrocution in a fucking lab coat, in a room. Like, they, they will go to lethal I mean, levels because someone else told them to. I think that's part of the reason they give the TSA badges, even though the badges are plastic and they don't mean anything. Right. I mean, it's like if you're granted the position of authority, that's something that I think... I struggled with the line. I, I didn't think that the people like the KGB or the SS were humans. I feel like there was, it was a big aha moment for me to realize we're all capable of this. When we are, when we are placed in a, in a position of authority and, and above other people, it, it is just as traumatizing and just as dire of a, of a, of a dynamic as, as, as the people you're oppressing. I mean, you, these are human beings. We're, we're all capable of this if we're placed in the advantage. And that was something that came up in the, the Stanford prison experiment is that most of the guys who were assigned to be the prison guards talked about, A, how traumatic it was for them, and B, how none of them thought they were capable of doing what they did and didn't want to be doing what they were doing. And did it in four days. Mm-hmm. Not even year, four days. Right. In the, in the course of a week, they had all fallen in line with what they perceived to be the expectations of them. All right. Well. We, we've run through every possible reason why the TSA is terrible. And I'd also just like to remind you that uh, there are real people that work for the TSA. Yeah. And, yes, uh, they yes. also are being damaged by the yes, uh, exactly. No, and, and I, think, I think that was our point. Sixty thousand jobs. Right. Right. I think that was our point. Right. Is that it's not healthy for for anyone at that point. So and, it, and I guess I, I come to what else? What other options are there? What else can we do that keeps us safe, or at the very least keeps the illusion of our safety? Yeah. If that's what some people need, because I think that really is what a lot of people require. Without 
being traumatic and without being harmful and without costing billions and billions of dollars. And, and I do want to double down on this really quickly, what you just said, Chance, is that nothing we've said tonight or the conclusions that we've come to have are, are, are with the intention of blaming individuals as much as it is there are bad individuals inside of bad systems that uh man i disagree with that wait 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 hang on hang on hang on all i want to say i I guess what i'm trying to say is like i'm not trying to say that chance's cousin is a bad person because he works for the tsa and i don't even think the tsa is a a great person he's a great person exactly i don't think they're they're in this i think my whole point is that there is no such thing as a bad or good person in yes. this situation? Yeah. Right. Okay. It's word. like it's that's, like that's a totally false idea. Sure. It's yes. it's like word. it's like how do you make yourself safer? Is the same question as how do I find myself? It's like well the 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 journey starts by realizing that self is an illusion. Yes. Self doesn't exist. So like, what is the right answer? The answer to that question is there is no answer. Sure. There is no such thing as safety. You know. So it's it's a question of. Would you prefer a lie? I mean, there, you, there are relative degrees of safety. You can though. get to safer, right. yeah, for yeah. sure. And so, how do we do that without oppressing and traumatizing and causing harm to people? Right. I- increased presence of air marshals, heightened resilience of the American citizenry, uh, increased um, importance placed on emergency response teams, so we can learn how to deal with shit when it does happen, and a holistic approach to. Uh, policy in areas where people want to kill us. Well, goddamn! Well, <laughs> I tried and failed, and Mason tried and succeeded. Not that that's simple. <laughs> Obviously, that's a talking point. I mean, it's not simple because nothing's simple. No, no. But you, but you did a, you but did you a very good you job. You don't of do it by dis, by by um by dis, by by molesting people <laughs> at airports. You definitely don't, and and that unfortunately happens. It's the back of the hand, bro. Hey, um, and also just for just a note to take with you, if you are bringing illicit substances through any sort of bag scanner or TSA checkpoint, just don't have a or and everything else doesn't even activate the machines. So thank you so much, Malik. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Cousin Malik just Man. blessed y'all with some fucking information. It takes a lot for me to feel uncomfortable about putting something on the podcast. That That's might be up there. Yeah. That might be one of those things. That's up there. We'll definitely gems, <laughs> gems, gems, and or things that will get me and Spencer arrested. Maybe I spent a point. whole segment talking about fucking chimpanzees last time, and well, that, that, that one just got me. I got you, another. You plastic. won't get arrested for that though. You just won't ever get a job again or something like that. I don't know. You just say you won't get arrested for fucking a chimpanzee? No, just for talking about it. Oh, right, right, you, right, you, right, right, not, right. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. If you're advocating for it, maybe that's like... Uh, anyway, uh, Chance, you yeah, were saying... Chance, you had some one last plastic dick joke. Um, <laughs> so when you go through that machine where you put the arms up like this... Yes. You know, the person that's running that machine either opts for male or female. And my cousin said, you know, there's just a lot of people in, that don't qualify or Sometimes qualify as both or, or whatever. Uh, but he said more like to his surprise, there are more and more uh, transgender women or cross-dressing women that, like, wear their strap-on out and, like, through airport security pretty often. So I was like, hey, man, all right, that's pretty cool. That's really going Good all for you. in. That's awesome. You know, you're, not just, you're just, just playing a role. You're living it. Wait, but And random bureaucratic agents should not know that. Or have anything well, to do with what's in my that's pants. That's weird. Well, think of it. That thing is looking right through all your shit. Right. He said yeah, uh, if you sweat too much, it'll activate the thing. Like if if you are sweaty in any certain area of your body, it will register on the thing. And they have to come up and, what if there's and a distinct, calm you down. They what have if to there's wipe a distinct, you down. 
What if there's a distinct the lack of, hands, of sweat though. in one area because it's made out of plastic? Does that, uh, does that draw Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's oh, really man. dedication because traveling with a penis on an airplane can chafe sometimes. Did you know they tried... plastic, <laughs> I believe... Did you know... That so it might be... Uh, they, tried, they tried to introduce an anxiety detector machine into airports. All right. We have like... <laughs> we have I'm like, not we have kidding. Th- it costs I, like $30 million. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Mason, so, I love you, buddy. We have three minutes left. Got you. And this is on point. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end on this. Uh, so, uh, chance chance just gave you some reasons or ways to maybe be. Uh, well, I don't even know how to phrase it. Read to, your list, bro. To get through. To to get through. <laughs> or yeah, he said to get through. Tell us to really the menu, commit the to gender transformation. If you are nervous or over sweating, those are some ways that the TSA using their spot program, which is stands for. Uh, 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 screening of passengers by observation techniques. The TSA employs psychics, <laughs> and or and or racial profilers. Um, <laughs> why not both? So how do I get but, in this section? But, psychics aren't real. <laughs> but here's here's a leaked slide from one of their uh, one of their training presentations of r- signs you might be a terrorist. You guys ready? This is this is what you got to deal with next time you go through the airport. One. Exaggerated yawning. <sighs> Two, excessive complaints wait, about being. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> nope, nope. Exaggerating yawning. Yawning, correct. <sighs> Number two, excessive <laughs> complaints about screening. Number three, excessive throat clearing. Don't clear your throat; you're gonna get arrested. <laughs> or just do it once. Number four, widely open staring <laughs> eyes. So don't do that shit. Apparently. Number five, wearing improper attire for the location. Leggings. Which Apparently, if you're flying from Minneapolis yeah. to Hawaii, if it's you're wearing improper... Because uh, no one at an airport is going to a different location. <laughs> uh, this, one, this one is my favorite. Whistling as the individual approaches the screening process. Like, what, what is this? Like a 50s television show? Like, do-do-do-do-do, <laughs> just walk through it up, don't mind me. What, what if you're yawning and whistling? And well, then... Uh, <laughs> gazing down. So, so if you take your wide open staring eyes and you point them at the ground, ooh, you terrorist, you. Uh, exaggerated or repetitive grooming gestures, which I don't even know what that... <laughs> Wait, combing? I don't, I don't know. Um... If your face is pale from the recent shaving of a beard, shit. That's like the most guarded racial profiling I've seen in a long time. Look awfully pale there, brown man. And, <laughs> and lastly, the rubbing or wringing of hands. So like if you're going to if you're going to like bomb an airplane, don't like be like, "Oh god, I'm so nervous about this." Got to get this bomb juice know, off my hands. Um so so what we're trying to say is be careful about there. Maybe there's alternatives. Um we have to wrap uh Emma, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Make some noise on time for Emma. Everybody, make some noise for our guest tonight, Eric Mason. Yeah. Make some noise for Chance York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been the What It Podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out and rocking out with us tonight. We'll be back next month until they tell us to not come back. Uh, thank you one more time, y'all. Get home safe. Have a great night. Oh.